Luke 24, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. That's God's word for us this morning. Our focus is, people of God, that last verse we read, verse 8. Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered. Memory is a powerful thing. Memory remains mysterious even to people who have spent a lifetime scientifically studying it. How do we lose those memories? So many of them we lose. How do we lose those memories of faces, of names, of events? How are our memories sometimes all of a sudden triggered with sometimes a smell or some other association? Those two men in clothes like lightning were angels, and those angels triggered the memory of the disciples who were at the empty tomb that first Easter morning. They had forgotten, but then they remembered. They remembered his words, the words of Jesus, their teacher their rabbi who had died. We forget our keys. We forget someone's name. We forget, if we're a student, a fact that we should know for a test. But if you think you're the only one who is forgetting things, you're wrong. You might be relieved to hear the findings of a Johns Hopkins University researcher who found that 83% of people regularly forget names. Is she thankful you're not the only one? 60% of people regularly forget where something is. 57% forget phone numbers. 49% forget regularly what was just said. 42% of people forget faces regularly. And 38% of people regularly forget something that they have just done. The disciples had forgotten something. And they'd forgotten something a little more important than a phone number or, or a face or what you just did. They had forgotten that Jesus said that he would be crucified and then he would rise again. They, for, they forgot it. Jesus had said that straight out 
in so many words, two or three times at least. And he said it many other times using metaphors and parables. But it didn't sink in. It never registered or, you know, or maybe it just was something they conveniently forgot. You know how we forget unpleasant things? We just want to put it out of our minds. Maybe when he started going there, when he started talking about that he would be leaving them soon, they didn't really want to hear it. And, and so they put it out of their minds. They forgot. But then we read, they remembered. Then they remembered. At a funeral and a graveside service, we often say, don't we, how can we best remember so-and-so? How can we best remember grandma or grandpa? How can we honor their life and what they meant to us and what they stood for? And that's why we sometimes call funeral services memorial services. That comes, that's in the middle of that word remember, memorial service. It's because there's an element of remembering that happens there. Jesus, the Savior of the world, your Savior, he died. And then, unlike anyone else, he rose again and he conquered death. We too can forget that. We can forget him. Every time we sin there's a very real sense in which we're forgetting him and his sacrifice. We can forget him when we get pulled down in despair in our lives, whether it's because of our sickness or whether it's because of other problems. It's like we're not remembering that he has conquered sin and death and despair and he's brought us and everyone new life now and forever. We can forget Jesus when we focus on ourselves and when we're, we're focused on our dreams and our desires and our demands. Then we're not remembering that he's king and Lord of all. Not us. We're not on the throne. This Easter, I want to reflect with you for a bit on how we can remember Jesus in our lives. When you forget a loved one, there's a sense in which you're dishonoring their memory. And when we forget Jesus, we're dishonoring him. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. This word remember is used in the Bible in a variety of key places. And when we put those together, that idea of remembering in the Bible, we can find out how to Remember Jesus. And I believe that if you focus with the help of God on the three areas that we're going to talk about, I'm convinced that you will be able to remember Jesus in your life, who he is, what he's done, like I know you really want to. So first, we remember Jesus by knowing what he said. We remember Jesus, the risen one, by knowing what he said. That was the case here with the disciples, right? They remembered his words in verse 8. And then verse 6, two verses earlier, remember how he told you, the angels said. 
Peter, in his letter, 2 Peter 3.2 says, I want you to remember the words. The guy who was told to remember says later, I want you to remember the words that were spoken long ago by the holy prophets. He says that to you and me. Remember the words spoken long ago. When we talk about the words of Jesus and the words that were spoken by the holy prophets, what does that mean? That refers to the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. A big part of memory and remembering is knowing facts. You can't remember a friend if you can't remember facts about that person. You're not really remembering something if you're not remembering details about this person. So too, we're called to this word, his word, to know it, to study it. I think these days we would do well to go back to more of the memorization of pieces of his word, like generations have done throughout the history of the church. You're going to want these words in hard times. You're going to want these words in the hospital, on your deathbed, in tough situations in life. Then those words that you've put in your mind can come back to you. Words of God's care, like in Psalm 23. Words of life, like the words that were spoken from Jesus' own lips. Words of hope, like we hear a lot in the letters of Paul in the New Testament and in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. Growing up in my family, we memorized things like the lessons, several lessons in the Heidelberg Catechism, one of our confessions, Lord's Day 1, on what is our only comfort in life and in death, Lord's Day 7, what is true faith, and we memorized Lord's Day 10, those three for sure, and that's about providence, God's care for us. Those are wonderful summaries of what Jesus said in his word. And when someone's words are with you, it's like that person is with you. This past Monday night at our elders' meeting, uh, we had the privilege of a number of students coming to make profession of their faith. And someone in that meeting shared with the students, uh, we, we do some back and forth with the students to get to know them. This is after they've had a little interview with a couple of elders. But then the students sit there, and I'll ask them a few questions, and then afterwards I'll see if the elders, the group of elders, has, have any questions, or maybe, most often they have comments of, of appreciation or praising God, or little words of advice. And one of the words of advice that was given on Monday night was sharing with those students who made profession of faith the value of meditating on Scripture. And this person was talking about, you know, sometimes just a couple of verses, just letting them sink in, spending time letting the words of God speak to your soul and sink into you. The very words of God, those details, knowing them. Why? Well, it's because God's word transforms us. 
The Bible transforms us because it's the very Word of God. How powerful is His Word, do you wonder? What could these words possibly do for me, you wonder? I'll tell you. With His Word, God created the universe with His Word. Everything was created. With His Word, Jesus healed the lame and the blind and the sick. With his word, Jesus forgives our sins and wipes clean the slate. His word speaks to you and to me grace and love and acceptance. And the Bible is his word to us today. With the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes you. It transforms your life. It does miracles. Sometimes I fear, every once, sometimes I, I hear hints of this. Some, I've heard it straight out too. Sometimes I fear people kind of poo-poo God's word and poo-poo plumbing its depths and digging into it. And what they say, it's really, the Christian life is really about living for Jesus and doing stuff and serving others. And that's true. But what are you living? We are living out the Word, right? If you look down on knowing the Bible, then You're poo-pooing the foundation of your living. This is what we're living. And you're going to get off track really quickly. And pretty soon, you won't be remembering Jesus because you're not spending the time to get to know him. Pretty quickly, you'll be living and doing your own thing or the world's thing, not his. So first of all today, I want you to remember that we remember Jesus by knowing what he said. And you can know his words in God's word, the Bible. That's a word that we teach and apply twice a Sunday. It's the word that we study in our small groups, in our families, in our personal devotions, in Sunday school, in catechism. On and on go the opportunities for you and your family and your loved ones to get help in knowing what Jesus said so that we can remember him, our Savior. There's more than knowing what he said, though. There's more than the facts and the details and the content of his word, as important as all that is. We also remember Jesus by acting on the things he said. And this is where all the ADHD people out there smile and perk up and say, Hallelujah. Yes, I say. You also remember the living, risen Jesus in your actions when you act on the things he said. It turns out that living and action are very key parts to the biblical idea of remembering. I'm not so sure that's the case for us. When we say the word remember, I think we're especially kind of 
you know, we kind of sit there pondering. But in the Bible, when you hear the word remembering, right in that is action and acting. We get this earlier in Luke, actually. We're in Luke now, but at Jesus' birth, Mary said in her song that's there that God remembered to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Zechariah, he has a song there too, and it says there that God remembered his holy covenant. The Bible tells us that God remembers us. God remembers his people. And in the Bible, does that mean that God sat in heaven fondly thinking of his people? No. It means a lot more than that. God did have and God does have his people in mind. He knows them. He knows every detail about us to the extent that he knows the number of the hairs on our head. But when God remembers, it doesn't stop there. He acts always. God remembered and thought of his people in slavery. We read about that in Exodus. And he rescued them. He brought them up out of Egypt, out of bondage, with a mighty hand, and he brought them into that promised land. God remembered his people even later on in exile when they were a conquered shell of a nation. And then he brought them back home again. God remembered his people, you and me, in sin, and he did something about it. He didn't just sit back thinking about it. He acted. God sent Jesus to fix the problem that sin causes, separation from God. And Jesus did that. He accomplished that through his death and resurrection. As people who belong to God because of what Jesus has done, we remember Jesus and his work by acting on the things he said, by living for him. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, remember people, remember the poor. He doesn't mean that our hearts, he doesn't mean only that our hearts should go out to those in need, that we just think about doing something. No, he means that we seek change and ways of helping people get on their feet again. We do that individually in our lives when we can, through organizations equipped to do that, through our church, in our voting, all kinds of ways. Remembering those in need is one important way we act on the things Jesus said. And we act in so many ways that it's our day-to-day living. And a way to summarize all that we do for Jesus is that we live, and this is a word the Bible uses again and again, this summarizes how you act, how you live. You live as a servant. A follower of Jesus is a servant in life. We serve God. We serve others. A.T. Pearson once wrote something that I believe is helpful about our service. And I want to read part of it to you to give direction to your living, to service. The supreme test of service is this. How do you know you're acting for Jesus and living for him? 
you ask this, for whom am I doing this? If we are doing whatever we're doing for Christ, then we're not going to care about human reward or even recognition. Our work must be tested by three things. Is it work from God as given to us to do from him? Is it for God as finding in him the secret of its power? And is it with God as only a part of his work in which we engage as co-workers with him? So is your work, are your actions from God? Are they done for God and with God as part of his mission? One more thought this morning. We remember Jesus finally by having a passion for the things he said. If the first way of remembering has to do with our heads and our minds, and the second has to do with our hands, this has to do with our hearts. Our hearts. I bet if you think about your life, you could come up with all sorts of things that you know but that you don't necessarily act on. There are all sorts of things you know, but you don't necessarily act on them all. What's the difference between acting on something that you know or not? Well, to act on something, you have to feel strongly about it. Your heart has to be engaged then you take action if you feel strongly about it. There's a wonderful definition of true faith, the Christian faith, and it says faith is a knowledge and it's a conviction that everything God reveals in his word is true, and it's also a deep-rooted assurance. In other words, faith is planted deep in your heart. If you sense You lack that. That faith isn't deep in your heart. That passion for Jesus and what he did and what he said. Ask God to give it to you. Because when God's people have a greater passion for politics or a new movie or the NCAA tournament or the Boston Red Sox or the LA Lakers, if we've got more passion for those things than... Jesus and his words, then we've got a problem. And you've got a problem. Yes, we may live life fully and passionately. We may enjoy things. And the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us to do that. But it's got to come out of a core passion and love for Jesus first of all. If that's not your first love, the other passions and loves are going to become all-consuming and we'll forget that we remember Jesus by having a passion for the things he said. There's a classic book from a Chicago pastor named A.W. Tozer and it's called The Pursuit of God. He was all about the heart in the heart of believers. I want you to listen to this carefully. Sound biblical 
exposition. And that's another way of saying Bible explanation. Sound Bible explanation is a must in the church of the living God. Without it, if you don't have that, you can't even be a New Testament church. But Bible explanation can be done in such a way that it leaves the hearer without true spiritual nourishment because, listen to this, it's not the words that nourish our souls, but God himself. And unless and until we find God in personal experience, we are not better off for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but it's a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that we may enter into him, that we may delight in his presence, that we may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core, in the center of our hearts. Without our hearts tasting God, people of God, the knowledge, the service, it's all pretty empty. If you don't know God himself. My prayer for us this Easter is that we would be a people that truly remembers the risen Lord Jesus. And it turns out that biblical remembering is a holistic response. In other words, it's something that our whole self is engaged in. Our minds, our actions, our hearts, knowing, serving, loving. As we're remembering the first Easter today, we have to acknowledge and be very open about the fact that we have forgotten all too much. And we've just forgotten our keys. We've forgotten Jesus in our sin, in our self-pity sometimes, sometimes in our struggles, in our loneliness, and I think it's only us, but it's not. In our sometimes negative and cynical and sarcastic outlook on life and comments. But the great message of Good Friday and Easter is that Jesus remembers us even when we forget him. Luke, the guy we're reading from this morning, tells us about another key time of remembering. And it was when Jesus was on the cross. There were two thieves near Jesus also on crosses The one said before he died and before Jesus died, remember me, Jesus. He said that. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus did. And he responded with, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. The cross is how you know that Jesus remembers you too. Even you, in your situation, that's the proof. You've forgotten. I've forgotten. More times than we dare admit out loud to anybody. But then the Spirit of God reminds you that Jesus remembered you. He's the trigger. 
and we're woken up out of our forgetfulness and dullness sometimes in life. And we say, oh, with satisfaction, with excitement, just like the disciples. The Spirit of God works in our hearts just as he worked through those angels on the first Easter morning. We say, oh, he does remember me. And because of that, you can always remember him. Know what he said, would you? Know it. Don't don't forget that. Act on what he said. Live for him. And have a passion deep in your heart for what he said. In your remembering the risen Lord Jesus, may Easter be alive in your hearts, in your homes, in this church in powerful ways, and everywhere we go as a people who Jesus remembered, as a people who he will always remember all your life long into eternity. Amen.